0: Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We do have lines open if you'd like to jump in with a question or comment. NFL college football, NC State versus the NCAA, college hoops, NBA, including a Derrick Rose and Paul George or appearances by both in the headlines last night. Canes are in Western Canada for the next four games as part of a five-game road trip. Torrey Holtz headed into the Hall of Fame tonight. You can jump in. On the other headlines of the day, which include breaking news, another ACC football superstar just announced that he is turning pro early. It is Boston College junior running back A.J. Dillon. If you saw that supersized, just workhorse of a back, keep in mind, B.C. has a coaching search right now. That might not have impacted his decision at all. But he plays a high-impact position, of course. Even Carolina Panthers star Christian McCaffrey at the end of his uh, time at Stanford, skipped a bowl game to protect his body and his NFL draft status. That's becoming more and more common. A.J. Dillon announced today that he will turn pro after this, his junior season, along with Clemson's Travis Etienne. A.J. Dillon was one of the best running backs in this league, and it really wasn't even close. He has NFL written all over him, one of the best prospects in the entire ACC this year, although running backs don't always get drafted high in the first round. His talent suggests that he will get a look just about anywhere uh, that needs a running back. Any team that needs a running back should consider him, especially if they like that style. As we come to Michael and Nightdale and you at 1-800-849-2761, one of the questions I've gotten today on the NC State versus the NCAA case, why is former Wolfpack coach Mark Gottfried not charged with something more severe? In case you don't know, he's charged with failure to monitor, which doesn't mean, you know, you were actively engaged in making sure Dennis Smith Jr.'s family got money through some agent or shoe company executive or other middleman. It means you were kind of asleep at the switch, as others were involved in that, including your former assistant coach, Orlando Early. So Mark Godfrey is is accused of failure to monitor. He has, of course, claimed no wrongdoing whatsoever. And he is, by the way, the head coach at Cal State Northridge that has already fielded questions like, why do you still have this guy as your head coach when there's some evidence out there that he not only is charged with failure to monitor, uh, the Orlando Early evidence that again did not make it to the NCAA but is incredibly damning, says that Mark Godfrey knew about everything and was actually handing Orlando early the envelopes filled with tens of thousands of dollars to make sure Dennis Smith Jr.'s family got that money as he ended up being that one-and-done player for the Wolfpack. The reason Mark Godfrey is charged with quote-unquote only failure to monitor is that most damaging evidence is not a part of the trial record. What did the federal government hand over to the NCAA? Not just in the NC State case, but Louisville and Kansas and a lot of other schools are dealing with these cases. They handed over the trial record, and as we come to your calls, 1-800-849-2761, the most damning piece of evidence that we know about in the court of public opinion is former NC State assistant coach Orlando Early, through his attorney told federal prosecutors that Mark Gottfried on two different occasions gave him envelopes filled with cash to pass along to a friend or trainer of the Smith family. I mean, that's, that's Orlando early under potential perjury penalty, telling the truth, assumedly. Yes, I was involved. Yes, Mark Gottfried was involved. Hugely important, that damning piece of evidence is not, not, in the NCAA's hands. So the NCAA knows of this because of media reports, but they can't use it to prosecute the NC State as a university or Mark Gottfried as a coach or Orlando Early as a coach. Now, Orlando Early is accused of more serious things in this case against NC State. But just remember, whereas we in the court of public opinion have access to those media reports, The NCAA themselves do not have that memorandum uh, that, you know, we can see what happened at NC State. It is harder for them to prove what happened at NC State, and that's why Mark Godfrey is charged only with the lesser charge. It's serious. Failure to monitor, you can get in trouble for that. For those who don't know, by the way, Mark Godfrey has had two straight horrible teams at Cal State Northridge, and in my opinion, any self-respecting university would have already fired Mark Godfrey Because of the publicly available information, you don't have to play the but it's not an evidence game. As a university, you should respect yourself enough to be able to read media reports, see that Orlando Early himself through his attorneys talked about envelopes filled with cash handed to him by Mark Gottfried on the way to Dennis Smith Jr.'s family. At my mythical Podunk State University, if I have access to that meteor port, you're fired, man. You're fired, period. He still has his job. He st- is charged with failure to monitor. We'll see how that part of the NC State goes moving forward. But that is why he is charged with only failure to monitor and not something more than that. If the evidence that I just described was in this case in front of the NCAA, Mark Gottfried would be charged with the most severe things you could possibly be charged with. That evidence is not in front of the NCAA, and that's why this case will be approached in a different manner. Michael and Nightdale, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Is this the best way to decide a college football national champion at the FBS level? The four-team bracket certainly worked well this year. Uh, Answer to a question earlier, the contracts run all the way through 2026, so it is not impossible that you could revisit a contract. In all likelihood, folks, the four-team approach is what we have. 2026, that means what? Seven more seasons of doing it this way. So if you're envisioning six teams or eight teams or something bigger, it's not impossible. Most contracts can be revisited or broken, but my educated guess is they like what happened this year a lot. Exactly the four teams that you think are most deserving got in, and those that had blemishes on their resume didn't get in. They love how it worked out this year. There are other years where maybe you'd feel right about an 18 bracket or something larger. Michael, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go ahead with your question or comment. Well, my comment is that I think they did get it right with the four, uh, the 14 system this year. However, because things like these uh, are likely to change, if they do change to a uh, 18 format, I think they're giving even more credence to to the uh, the likeness and image, and, and how, should, should players be compensated? They're moving closer to a professional, uh, a professional type. Yeah. Uh, it's a violent sport, right? And you're getting to the point, if there were an eight-team playoff, now part of the argument is some people say you'd, you'd get rid of either a regular season game or a conference championship weekend. But if you just added an eight-team playoff to what we have right now, you would have teams playing 16 games. What does that sound a lot like? Professional football, right? What's the NFL's regular season length? 16 games. And you could have, last year, Clemson won the national title as the first 15-0 team in the history of FBS football. If you have an 18 bracket, somebody could play and would play 16 games. Sounds more professional. As you said, Michael, the NCAA has already promised to reconsider its model and maybe as early as next year, some form of third-party money on the name, image, likeness issue is going to be permissible in a way that it's never been permissible in the past. But remember, there's nothing on the table about schools paying players. And a lot of folks are skeptical about just how wide the NCAA is going to swing the door allowing allowing third-party money. Uh, We'll see how that shakes out. They say they're going to allow third-party money to the degree that it does not conflict with the NCAA's amateurism model. Well, good luck guessing where that lands. It just doesn't sound as much of a sweeping change when they say it that way as most of the NCAA critics want to see. But you're right. Your argument is right. They're aware of this argument. And every time they do something like this that makes them look more professional, they are daring the United States Congress. And I'm serious about this. You know, Some people just use that as a throwaway line. It would take an act of Congress to change this. No, I'm dead serious. Mitt Romney is a member of the United States Congress and recently was at a roundtable with noted NCAA critic Jay Billis, and they basically said, NCAA, if you don't figure out a smarter model on your own, we, Congress, are going to come after you. Now, that could be on antitrust issues or something else, but that's not what the NCAA wants to hear. So we'll see what the NCAA proposes, but Michael's point is a good one because it is in the conversation. You guys are really going to go to 16 games? Okay, and that's supposedly, some people believe it'll double the amount of money that TV partners pay for the college football playoff. That sounds more professional as well. Every time you go up this ladder, wait a minute, and nowadays college football head coaches in many cases are making what NFL head coaches are? Okay, well, let's see. Head coaching compensation sounds like you're already a professional league, even though you call it amateur college football. Okay, the TV money might double for the college football playoff if you go to eight. Well, that's sounding more and more professional as well. Uh, 16 games for college football players? That's sounding more and more professional. That's the same number of the NFL regular season. You start losing whatever philosophical points the NCAA has made over the years in, in an attempt to explain away why they still have their amateurism model it gets harder and harder to justify these things as the seasons get longer and as the dollars get bigger. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Some say there are too many bowl games, Darren. Too many bowl games. I will explain why I believe that is a victimless crime and that fair-minded Americans should find better things to complain about just looking at today's headlines in and out of the sports world i can certainly find bigger and more important things to complain about but within the college sports setting too many bowls i'll tell you why i don't think so as in our neighborhood app state is headed to one unc is headed to one wake forest is headed to one north carolina a and t is headed to one, and of course, it's everybody's goal every year to make the football postseason. College basketball is on our mind as well. We'll welcome your calls. Why did this weekend's college basketball games remind me of next year's Motley Crue, Def Leppard, and Poison concert? That They're together. They're touring together. Can you believe that? My fellow glam metal fans, we're all looking forward to it. This past weekend of college basketball results reminded me, I know this doesn't say very good things about me, I'm, I'm okay with that, reminded me of the upcoming Motley Crue, Def Leppard, and Poison concert. That answer with more of your calls... Luke Hancock of ESPN on College Basketball next hour. More of your questions and comments. Have the Patriots been caught cheating again in the NFL? Your NFL power rankings as mine start with the Ravens, the Saints, and the 49ers. NC State versus the NCAA. Some of it is simple. Some of it is complicated. We'll try to share more of our expertise as you dial 1-800-849-2761. Torrey Holtz headed into the Hall of Fame. The Canes are on the road but playing good hockey. The NBA headlines include Paul George, Derrick Rose, and other luminaries. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Rob Schneider joining us on The David Glenn Show. When they try to have three days of the NFL draft on TV, my friend said, hey, you going to watch the NFL draft? It's like getting excited about a strip club that's still under construction. <laughs> like you see that building over there in a couple of months? There's going to be some breasts in there. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. to the david glenn show we're taking your questions on the nc state versus the ncaa twist of yesterday a 66 page wolfpack response involving the dennis smith jr case have the new england patriots of the nfl been caught cheating again the most interesting thing head coach bill belichick said earlier today why did this weekend's college basketball results remind me of an upcoming motley crew def leopard and poison concert And is the four-team college football playoff in place these last six years at the FBS level really the best way to decide a national champion just because it worked perfectly this year? doesn't mean we all want it all the way through when the current contracts run out in 2026. You can jump in with your question or comment on any of those. We'll get to some NFL or NHL and NBA during the course of today's program as well. We do have lines open for the first time in a long time, so you could be next at 1-800-849-2761. Luke Hancock of ESPN and the ACC Network is our college basketball analyst of the day. He helped Louisville six years ago to the 2013 NCAA title, the only guy ever to come off the bench to earn the most outstanding player award at the Final Four. Luke Hancock, in more than 60 minutes, your phone calls, questions, comments, and complaints now at 1-800-849-2761. The most interesting thing Bill Belichick said today and then why I disagree with those who say there are too many bowl games. Darren Vaughn, are you one that has ever been caught? I can think of examples just in your time with me. Have you ever been caught away from mom, dad, and family on a holiday? And I really was not asking this so that you could (laughs) thank me for having you at Thanksgiving dinner every year. I was thinking more broadly because it impacts my – why, why I disagree with those who say there are too many college football bowl games. You ever been just sort of – I don't know, stuck at school or stuck in maybe your broadcasting took you somewhere. Yeah, it's I mean, each of the past three or four years, that seems like it's kind of regularly become the case for me, whether it's here for the show or, you know, doing a basketball game somewhere. It's not often that I am always at home universally throughout the holidays. As someone who grew up, in my case in the Philadelphia area, in a very tight-knit family, I I cherish my time with my mom and dad and my three siblings. The times of year that I remember kind of longing for home, and I was not home, most of the time I was, but the two times that hit me were Thanksgiving and Christmas. Does that resonate with you as well? 12-month calendar year. Yeah. You might be without your family for a month or two at a time, and it doesn't really register as inappropriate or uncomfortable and then there's just a couple to maybe or maybe somebody's special birthday or anniversary or whatever but i remember feeling that way for thanksgiving i was stuck in south florida uh, where i was attending undergrad and i just couldn't get home for one thanksgiving after probably spending you know the first 19 thanksgivings of my life with my mom and my dad and my siblings and sometimes other relatives and friends And I still to this day, even though this happened more than 30 years ago, the Nestle family of Hollywood, Florida, took me in. And while missing that Thanksgiving feeling and my family, you know, a thousand plus miles away, I went to school with two of the Nestle brothers. They actually were my henchmen on my intramural hockey team. <laughs> yeah. they, they were the guys that I asked to be on my team. Remember, as I tried to take on the Red Army, the undefeated oh, yeah. juggernaut, they were the guys that didn't know how to use a hockey stick, but I was so desperate to fill out my roster that I added them to the roster anyway. They're from South Florida. They didn't play street hockey, ice hockey, or any form of hockey. I just said, if you're willing to just run into people and, you know, uh, clean the messes up if anything goes wrong. I mean, these dudes were like six four, two fifty plus, 250-plus. Uh, and I added them to the roster. I don't think they scored a point, although they did have some penalty minutes. So the brothers and the mom and dad had me there. One thing that people forget easily when it comes to bowl games, I ask myself in all contexts as we come to your calls, 1-800-849-2761. You know, we have listeners who have encouraged me to run for public office. I would apply some of these same things to governmental decisions, business decisions, personal decisions, etc. Who wins, who loses, what are the positives of doing something a certain way, what are the negatives of doing something a certain way? I mean, I'm not exactly breaking new ground here with these kinds of questions, but they're worth asking, right? And I hear there are too many bowl games, but think about who wins, who loses, what are the positives, what are the negatives? Because, for example, I can think of a lot of winners, Right. TV folks have more content during the holidays. Now you may not weep for TV folks lacking content, but it is at least a positive, right? We're all capitalistic. We want the economy to do well. We want TV executives to have content. They have more content. Fans have an option. Now that doesn't mean you may not roll your you may roll your eyes at 38 different bowl games. That's okay. We're not telling you you should like more bowls. We're just saying that TV folks win with more content. Fans, millions of them, even for a bowl you find ridiculous. Six and six somebody against six and six somebody else. Millions of fans watch even middling bowls. Seriously. So that's what... What's wrong with a little more happiness in the world, Darren? Those millions, maybe they're derelict gamblers. Maybe they just want some holiday season TV offerings, maybe to get them through a difficult holiday. You never know. So I see winners as TV folks. I see winners as the millions of fans who like even middling bowl games. I don't weep for bowl officials. Many of them I believe, kind of pushed the limits of their tax exemption. You know, strippers, cocaine, and the like, if you've ever read some of those stories. But they do, as bowl games, raise money for charitable causes and to assist in their communities. Now, you may question where all the rest of that money goes and why this person has a, uh, a slush fund and this other person has a six-figure salary, although it doesn't seem like they do a whole lot of work for a game that's only played once a year. Putting all that to the side, they do raise money for charity. So more winners. You see, Darren, winners. TV executives, fans who need content, ball officials, charitable causes, community causes, etc. Most importantly... As you do this math or calculus, who wins, who loses, what are the positives, what are the negatives, I really see too many bowl games as a victimless crime. Almost everything else that's bad in this world, I can point to who's getting hurt. Who is getting hurt in the idea that there are too many bowl games? Who are the victims? I I seriously can't find any victims. And if I can list, TV executives are more happy with more content. Fans have more options just to enjoy a little football. Bowl officials, charitable causes, community events. Sounds like a lot of good. I'll give you the best good. Did you know that there are estimates that as many as half of college football players are so needy financially with their families that they qualify for Pell Grants? Now, I'm not going to get into the details of Pell Grants or the politics of Pell Grants or anybody's experience with Pell Grants. If you qualify for a Pell Grant, you do not come from much means. You are from either very modest means or I'm not sure how I'm paying for my plane ticket home means or even I'm not sure how I'm paying for Christmas presents or Christmas dinner means. 50% of college athletes by some estimates, qualify for Pell Grants, you're either kind of poor, really poor, or going home to places that in some cases you might not have electricity, much less the money to make sure all the kids get Christmas presents. When you think of the victimless aspect of too many bowl games, when you think of secondary business positives for TV executives, fans, bowl officials, charitable events, and community causes, most importantly, Many young men who truly, I believe it was Mack Brown of UNC who recently made a reference to this, in his experience as a head coach, there are young men that come the time when exams are over, they're not sure how they're getting home, and their universities have to be careful about what they do give and what they do not give under NCAA rules, and they're not sure where their meals are coming from because, remember, while school is in session, Under current NCAA rules, you have limitless meals. If you're an athlete, you've got a card. They changed this, fortunately, within the last half a dozen years. What used to be limited meals is now limitless meals. That's good. Well, guess what happens when school is not in session? The same circumstances are not applying. So when there are no victims, when there are some community positives, some charitable positives, some just good old-fashioned People want to watch some football during the holidays, even if you ignore 38 out of 40 some bowl games. The biggest positive, man, young people who might have nowhere else to go, as Mac Brown said, young people who might have nothing else to eat, as Mac Brown said, young people who may not have $5 worth of Christmas presents waiting for them when they get home, seriously now get $550, that's the last number that I remember is allowable under NCAA rules, it may have gone up, but 500 dollars worth of bowl swag, that same Pell Grant athlete, and again, at a lot of schools, it could be more than half of every young man in that football locker room, more than half qualify for Pell Grants at a lot of schools, 50% overall, that's a lot, when you look at the monstrosity of Division I football. Instead of nothing under the Christmas tree, if there's even a Christmas tree at all when they get home, $550 or so per person of bowl swag and a trip to an out-of-town destination. It might not be something on your bucket list, but they get to hang around with people who care about them, right? Coaches, teammates, et cetera. Young men who otherwise might not have a place to be or a place to eat, or a a single present under the Christmas tree, get all of those things because of a bowl trip that for some of them might represent the biggest and best trip and the biggest and best presents of their entire life. I get where you're coming from. I probably, out of 40-plus bowl games, there are no, I mean, I mean maximum, maximum, there are a dozen that I'm curious to watch. I like the ACC teams, and I follow them. I'll be rooting for a and in the Celebration Bowl. I'll be rooting for App State in the New Orleans Bowl. I'm happy for Wake and UNC and others that they made the postseason. And, of course, we're all going to watch, most of us, the college football playoff and even those other New Year's Six games. So I might get to double digits that I care about while ignoring 30 or so others. Too many bowl games, man, victimless crime, and a lot more positives then may meet the eye. 1-800-849-2761. What was the most interesting thing Bill Belichick of the Patriots said as the Patriots are once again accused by some of cheating by by, by the against NFL rules use a video. Spygate was a major blemish on the Patriots dynasty, but that was more than a decade ago. These latest allegations actually are tied to this week's opponent for the Patriots, the Cincinnati Bengals. The most interesting thing Belichick said earlier today with more of your phone calls. NC State versus the NCAA. Too many bowl games. The best way to decide an FBS national champion. Why this weekend's college basketball games reminded me of next year's Motley Crue, Def Leppard, and Poison concert, 1-800-849-2761. Your questions and comments on those matters and more can be next on The David Glenn Show. Mac Brown of the University of North Carolina. we got to win now. Let's don't start looking at rebuilding. Let's don't talk about how bad we are. Let's don't talk about we're not better than anybody. Let's figure out how to win, and that's what we've done. And in the Coastal, because it's been up in the air every year, why shouldn't we have a chance? Keep it dialed in to The David Glenn Show. Back to the David Glenn Show. Lines open for the first time in a long time if you want to jump in on the NFL college football. NC State versus the NCAA college basketball or other headlines of the day. NC State legend Tori Holt in New York City tonight to be inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. Carolina Hurricanes begin a difficult five-game road trip with the first four of those basically a tour of Western Canada starting tonight at the Edmonton Oilers. They have the third-best record in the Western Conference. The Hurricanes, of course, playing mostly good hockey after 30 games, 18-11-1 right now in the eighth and final playoff position in the Eastern Conference. Boston and Washington are the only two heavyweights, as I see it right now, in the Eastern Conference. This five-game road trip, by the way, Edmonton tonight at Vancouver on Thursday, at Calgary on Saturday, Winnipeg uh, early next week, and then I think it's Colorado as they swing through the western part of the United States and come back home for a whole bunch of home games in middle and late December and then early January. No easy games. I mean, Edmonton's really good. Calgary's not bad. Winnipeg's not bad. Vancouver's not bad. Colorado's good. So none of these five road games easy for Rod Brindamore and the Canes. We welcome your calls on these headlines of the day. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. One thing I promised, what was the most interesting thing Bill Belichick said earlier today after his New England Patriots found guilty and punished by by NFL standards severely a little bit more than a decade ago after their just outrageous to me wrongdoing in the Spygate debate. What did Bill Belichick say as the Patriots are being accused by some of cheating again? The most interesting part of his answer as we come to your calls, 1-800-849-2761, involved Spygate, and it was as transparent as I've ever heard a coach who, again, I believe is the greatest coach of all time, and I believe part of what makes him great is that he looks for edges everywhere. I mean, any possible tiny nook and cranny he can find about you as an opponent, or the officiating crew that's going to call that game, or the weather, or anything else, he's the best in the history of the sport at finding ways, from the coach's perspective, of maximizing his team's chance to win. That's the bottom line. He's that good at that skill set. In Spygate, he crossed the line, and he actually got the the largest allowable by NFL rules fine at the time, showcasing how severely the NFL thought Bill Belichick had broken the rules by authorizing the videotape of opposing coaches' signals during games through the use of video. Nobody that I think understands the way the NFL works believed Belichick when he said more than a decade ago, We thought we were only not allowed to do that videotaping if we were not using whatever we learned in the course of the game that was currently being played. That was viewed by most around the NFL as a classic case of, we better have some excuse in case we get caught violating these rules. In other words, Bill Belichick, just as we've read those stories, where some of those with the video equipment, We're told to cover up their Patriots logo. They were told what lie to tell in case some authority figure or security person or member of the opposing team questioned why they were there, why they were videoing this. Again, I don't think today's news is a big deal. I, I don't even think Bill Belichick or the Patriots are really guilty of any wrongdoing here. They were caught taping the Cincinnati Bengals sideline during the Bengals game against the Cleveland Browns this past Sunday. Now, why would they be doing that? As it turns out, the Patriots have personnel who are part of putting a documentary together, and it involves advanced scouting and the concept of advanced scouting and what are advanced scouts doing, et cetera. So they actually got permission from one of the two teams last week to be on the sidelines as Patriots representatives videotaping a Browns-Bengals game. They say they forgot to ask the NFL for that permission, and they forgot to ask the Cincinnati Bengals for that uh, permission. So they got permission from the Browns. That's how they got their credentials to be on the field. I find that believable. I find it harder to believe that you just forgot to ask the Bengals, is this cool? Uh, We play you. The Cincinnati Bengals, we the Patriots, play you the Bengals next this coming Sunday. Okay, if we have some personnel with video on your sidelines the week before, now we all know the Patriots are a thousand times better than the Bengals. Cincinnati's one of the worst teams in the league. The Patriots, as usual, are one of the best teams in the league. But I have a feeling the Bengals might have had pause, in part because of the ugliness of Spygate more than a decade ago. If you're going to be suspicious of anybody, it would probably be the Patriots given their deflate gate, spy gate and track record in some other ways, especially though spy gate. So I don't think it's a big deal this time. And I accept Bill Belichick's explanation. I expect, I accept the Patriots explanation. The most interesting thing he said though, was this and it's as close as I've ever seen him come to basically saying, we crossed the line with spy gate. He's a defiant guy. He has repeatedly said, We didn't realize that we were crossing the line in Spygate. And again, I don't know anybody in the NFL who buys that line of malarkey. Here's what Belichick said. We are competitive, and we will try to be competitive in every area. He said that earlier today in a conference call with Cincinnati Bengals media. But we do not knowingly and intentionally want to do anything that is across the line. That's exactly what he was accused of with Spygate. It's one thing to accidentally, oh, we were confused. We thought as long as we were videotaping opponent's signals and not using the information from that to win that game, that we were allowed to videotape their signals as long as we were using it for future purposes. Nobody believed that. Nobody believed that. But that was what he pulled out of his back pocket, I guess, as an explanation he hoped people would not laugh at because if you accept that explanation, well, they just accidentally crossed the line. If you think that's a line of malarkey, you think they were purposely crossing the line to go beyond. This is like the Houston Astros argument. Are you allowed to steal signs when you're the base runner on second base? Yes. Are you allowed to steal signs from the dugout if the catcher is dumb enough to put his fingers so low beneath his tukus that you can see if it's one, two, or three, and you can somehow communicate it in an audio fashion to the batter in the batter's box. You're allowed to do that. No, you're not allowed to have an HDTV in the tunnel leading to the home plate area while against Major League Baseball rules, someone on your Houston Astros staff has a camera specifically positioned to look at the catcher signals so that you can quickly signal it to someone waiting in the tunnel who can quickly signal it to the guy in the batter's box. That's not only kind of against Major League Baseball rules, it's explicitly outrageously against Major League Baseball rules, and they got caught. And as I've said before, I hope they're severely punished for it. With Spygate, the Patriots got caught with something really close to that bad. And that's why they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. And that's why it is a blemish on an otherwise Hall of Fame caliber resume. Do I believe that that crossing of the line, which apparently they did for much of Bill Belichick's first decade as the Patriots coach, it wasn't like a one-time thing? A lot of times over his first, I think it was, eight years as the Patriots coach. Of course they would have still been good. Of course the guy is a football coaching genius. But what he said today, to me, is a great example of him knowing what he was accused of. We don't knowingly, intentionally want to do anything that's across the line. As it applies to this Bengals debacle, I actually believe him. As it applied to Spygate, nobody should have believed him, and that's why it remains a blemish. He went on to say, since Spygate happened, he didn't use that word, but since that happened, he said, I'd say we have tried to keep a good distance behind the line and not maybe take it as far as we might have in the past. That is as close to Bill Belichick saying, we were cheating on purpose, and because we got caught, we're trying to not even get near the line because, yeah, we crossed it. The hand was in the cookie jar. We got busted. We got fined. We got the maximum allowed by the NFL rules at the time, but it's never really fundamentally changed here, he said. We're still competitive, and we're still going to be competitive in every area, but ever since that Spygate stuff, we've tried to keep a good distance behind that line and not maybe take it as far as we would, might have in the past. Sounds like a guilty play to me or a guilty conscience. That's transparency. That's authenticity. We're sorry this week's scandal happened, but really, I didn't even know about it. That's believable. It was part of a documentary. We're not trying to gain a competitive advantage on a Bengals team that we're going to hammer anyway. All of that is very believable. A decade or so ago, he said some things that were truly not believable. The 2019 version of Bill Belichick Sounds like he understands why nobody should have believed him in Spygate. 1-800-849-2761. More of your calls on NC State versus the NCAA, the Patriots, and other NFL, college basketball, and college football. Is the four-team playoff the best way to decide an FBS national champion? I have more people saying no than yes, even though almost everybody agrees that this year's format got the right four teams this time. Can't argue about 13-0 Ohio State. Can't argue about 13-0 LSU or Clemson. Can't really argue about 12-1 Big 12 champion Oklahoma. There were no other one-loss teams in the Power 5 conferences. The only other Power 5 conference champion, Oregon, had two losses. And when they had a chance to make a non-conference splash, they lost to Oregon. And when they had a chance to sweep regular season play in the Pac-12, they lost at Arizona State, which was a middling team this year. Those who earned their way in got in. Those who didn't, didn't. And that's the way it's supposed to work. That doesn't mean this format will get it right every year. We probably are stuck with the four-team playoff through 2026. That's when the current contracts run out but that doesn't mean it's the best way to determine an FBS champion. More of your answers to that question of the day. College basketball with Luke Hancock of ESPN and the ACC Network, the former Final Four most outstanding player. Louisville sharpshooter under Rick Pitino drops by in about 45 minutes. You can be next with your question or comment at 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Mike Lupica, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department, and I said, look at the political scene and 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 tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Well, who passed that law? You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Quick email from Mark in Charlotte. D.G., appreciated your breakdown of the NCAA case against NC State earlier today. One thing you did not touch upon, or maybe I missed it, what's up with the Wolfpack's argument that if the Smith family got money, it wasn't really a recruiting inducement, they were getting money for something else? The the long story short, and I left that part out because I wasn't sure – how deep to get into this stuff. It's a 66-page Wolfpack response to the NCAA that was published yesterday Uh, on the Dennis Smith Jr. case for the most part. There are four charges against the Wolfpack. Only one really matters when it comes to severe penalties potentially. The level one violation is that Dennis Smith Jr. and or his family took $40,000 or more from various people, but it was channeled through at former NC State assistant Orlando Early, from a middleman named T.G. Gasno, T.J. Gasnola, who was an, a witness in an FBI-type corruption case, and again, the NCAA under relatively new rules, is allowed to use certain types of evidence for certain purposes, even though they happen in a legal proceeding and we're not just, like, gathered by NCAA compliance detectives, if you will. Those are new rules, and that's that's what makes this NC State case a little bit of a guinea pig because the rules are so new, uh, how they're interpreted is going to be at stake and under argument. But the reason I left out that part is basically NC State knows that just everybody picture some former athlete. It comes to light that they took stuff they weren't supposed to take. It is better for the school. It doesn't get off you get does not get you off the hook. I, I think you would all know the answer to this question, Darren. If our mythical Podunk State University, sadly, had an it had an athlete who had his or her handout, unfortunately, and we didn't detect it at the time, and now they're gone off to the professional level. If we had our choice, now it's bad that we probably used an ineligible athlete. Again, there's plenty of evidence that Dennis Smith Jr. was an ineligible athlete during his one and only one season at NC State. If we had our choice, would we pick the 40000 or so was a recruiting inducement? Like, hey, take this, kid, just to make sure you come here to NC State. Or would we prefer it was like third-party agent money, where that person's just trying to gain favor with Dennis Smith Jr. and his dad for when he has to sign with an agent. Yeah, you know, the latter. The, the, the third course, party, obviously, would course, be our choice. Of course. NC State is making that argument because, yes, in the eyes of the NCAA, it's worse if it was a recruiting inducement. However, y'all need to remember that when you get to $40,000 or more, you're still dealing with an ineligible athlete. Whether it was an agent trying to gain favor or whether it was a school trying to get a commitment to turn into a signing or whatever, certify a commitment, it's still you used an ineligible athlete. Yes, the severity of the penalty is less if it was the third-party agent stuff. Just remember the Orlando early part of this is a really big deal as well. And to the degree the NCAA proves that, the sanctions will get worse. Luke Hancock in 30 minutes on The David Glenn Show. He's the UVA head basketball coach, Tony Bennett. You always believed in us. I guess you were the wind beneath our wings. There you go. <laughs> How's that? Do we but have uh, background music That's for right. There? That's Matt Midler. There we go. You are the wind beneath my wings. Keep it right here on The David Glenn Show.